Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Oh, man, yes. Hey, we are open for business and the tomb is empty. So, I... I'll be honest with you, I, you know, I'm not really that emotional, and, and I'm not exactly a people person, but I missed you guys. Um, I missed you, and it's so glad to have you back, man. I'm getting a little, little, it's getting a little dusty in here, a little dusty. Um, so, anyway, we don't know, you know, I had a conversation uh, with uh, Bob Russell, who's the founding pastor of Southeast Christian Church, church of about 25, 30,000 people in Louisville. And he told me, he said, you know, Matt, he said, nobody knows what the church is going to look like after the pandemic. And he's right. And I was really worried. We're going into this weekend. I was really praying. It was like, you know, is anybody going to show up? But, you know, I tell you, there's just, you guys know me. I am not what you would call an optimist. Um, I describe an optimist as someone who does not understand the situation. Um, I am not a glass is half empty, glass is half full. I am, there's a hole in the glass, there's acid in the glass, we're all going to die kind of person. Um, But I am really, really hopeful. Really hopeful. I can't help to be, it's just, just, we got spring coming. Megan and I have been vaccinated, our entire staff's been vaccinated, and all the stuff coming out from the CDC. And we're planning travel, I mean, which is just awesome. Megan and I are going to go on a vacation here soon. And, and um, my son, Jackson, he's, some of you know, he's away at school. You wouldn't recognize him anymore, by the way. He's six foot two now. Um, he's huge but, and 109 pounds soaking wet, but still, he's about six foot two. And, you know, he's got a birthday coming up. He's got a graduation coming up. And then he's going to film school on a full scholarship, thank you, Lord, uh, in the fall. And He's already got college pretty much behind him because he's one of those AP kids, you know. But I asked him, I said, Jackson, what do you want to do, man, for your birthday and for your graduation? What, what, what do you want to? So I gave him two options. I was like, well, there's a concert in Cincinnati with four bands that he, he loves, like his dad, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, that kind of thing. But anyway, I said, we can go do that. Or there's a film festival at a drive-in outside of Philadelphia with legendary horror host Joe Bob Briggs. He goes, Joe Bob Briggs. Let's go see Joe Bob Briggs. That's my son. And the fact that I can schedule this and buy tickets and, and, and go and hit the road with my son. And, and we're such nerds. We're going to see where they film the blob and all that kind of stuff. So we're, you know, we, we can't wait to go. That just makes me so hopeful. I hope that you guys are optimistic as well. It looks like we're turning a corner. Life can go back to normal, at least semi-normal, we hope, and we pray and I, you know, I've really hoped that over this pandemic, people have, because of the nature of it, that people have really asked themselves some deep questions, some serious questions about their life, what comes after it. And I hope that that's out there. And when it happens, I hope that you guys are ready to meet those people. And if they don't have a church home, bring them here to where they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm hopeful.
I'm really, really hopeful. So this morning we're going to be in John chapter 20, the Gospel of John chapter 20. So you have a Bible or a Bible app, you want to go there. We're going to be talking, of course, about the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to me still that two people, intelligent people, can look at the same evidence and come to two very different conclusions friend of mine who's a uh, preacher told this story. He said he had a guy in his congregation was telling this. He said his daughter turned 16, and they had a rule in their house that she could not go on, like, car dates until she was 16. So her very first date was coming. And the father is expecting some guy her age to roll up. Instead, he looks out, sees a guy pull up, looks pretty rough, and older than 16, at least 18, 19, and uh, just a little rough. And so the father gets a little nervous and turns to his daughter and goes, um, Sweetheart, are you sure this is a good guy? The daughter said, Dad, if he wasn't a good guy, would he be doing 500 hours of community service? <laughs> Two very different conclusions. Um, and so it all comes down to worldview and kind of how you look at the world. And if you look at the world, it's like there's no such thing as the supernatural. Then you're going to have issues with this. I had issues with it as a teenager. But what I hope to show you today is the evidence is, is, is pretty strong, pretty strong. And I want you to know this. God did not perform miracles like the resurrection just to show off. John always describes God's miracles as a sign. A sign always points to something else, right? Miracles in the Bible show you the kind of God behind the miracle. And it also shows you a little bit more, as I think we'll, we'll see. John 20, verse 1. Let's go. And before, for those watching online, I hope you'll rejoin us. And I also have to confess this up front. Um, <laughs> I, I've been really busy. I've been doing a PhD program. And I have a major paper due this week and a presentation. And I finished the paper yesterday afternoon. And my plan was hopefully to finish it by noon, which didn't happen, and then go get my haircut. And it didn't happen. And I ran out of time. My wife called me and said, did you go get your haircut? I said, no. And I didn't have time. She goes, well, do you want me to see if I can find somebody? I said, no, I said, I think, it, I think it looks all right. Does it look that bad? And there was a pause. And all of you who are married know if you ask a question, a pause is a bad sign. So I apologize. Let's go. John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. From the tomb. That's a big deal because, especially a public figure like this, the Romans would typically seal the tomb and there'd be a heavy, heavy stone in front of it. Take usually four or five people to move. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. 
The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love that, that John is writing this, and John has to point out, by the way, I'm faster than he is. I beat him there. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. That's what they wrap a body in. But he did not go in. Now, he did not go in at first. He's hesitant to go in. You have to understand something, that in the Jewish culture, especially then in the first century, if you came in contact with a dead body, you were ceremonially unclean, if I can speak, which meant you couldn't be around your family, you couldn't do business, you couldn't go to the temple, you couldn't go to the synagogue, you couldn't do anything. So it was a big deal to try to stay away from anything associated with death. But curiosity will get the better of him here in a minute. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head. Not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. I love that when Jesus was resurrected, he didn't just throw off the cloths, but he rolled them up nicely and put them there. You can use that, parents, with your teenagers. Follow the Lord's example. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as they yet did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and then she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Now, it's dark It's early, but it's also, we're going to see this. Jesus' appearance slightly changed in his resurrected body, and that's important. I'll try to come back to that. Because in a resurrected body, a glorified body that the Lord gives, aging, everything goes away. All damage, it goes away, with one exception, which we'll get to in a second. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Now, notice this before we get here. This is, this is, I think this is neat. And I know I'm a nerd, but still, I think this is neat. Paul describes Jesus as the new Adam, the founder of a new race, really, a redeemed race. And what was Adam's job? To tend to the Garden of Eden. And who does Mary think that she's talking to? Supposing him to be the gardener. That's not accidental. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. Okay, now what's going on there? Here's, Here's the deal. Here's the deal. All right, this is another nerd kind of, you know, rabbit trail, but just stick, stick with me. There's a long debate within the Christian faith that in the three days that Jesus was laid in the tomb, where was his soul? With the body? In heaven? In hell? And thanks for playing. None of the above. It's option four. If you study the Jewish worldview at the time that Jesus is walking around, what you find is that Jews did not believe 
that you went to heaven or hell when you died. You didn't go to either until judgment day. What you did was you went to a place called Hades or Sheol, the place of the dead. It's kind of a a way station where you wait to be judged, both the good and the righteous, and it's split in half. The unrighteous are in one half, the righteous on the other half. Jesus tells a parable about this. Remember the rich man and Lazarus. They can actually see each other. They're in the same place, but in two very different circumstances. Lazarus is in the good part of Hades that they called paradise. And you'll remember, what does Jesus say to the thief on the cross who confesses faith in him? He says, today you will be with me, not in heaven, but in paradise, in the good part of Hades. Where did Jesus go? He went to the land of the dead to preach to the righteous. David was not in heaven yet. Isaiah was not in heaven yet. Abraham was not in heaven yet. Ruth was not in heaven yet. Esther was not, were not, they weren't in heaven yet. They were in paradise. And their Lord comes and preaches to them. And then when he ascends to heaven, he takes them with him. And he will return one day with them. If you and I die today... And I just realized I haven't eaten anything and I've drank a lot of coffee, so that's a possibility. But anyway, if I were to die today because of my faith in Jesus Christ, because of his blood alone, I would go to heaven, but I would not stay there. I would return with Jesus Christ when he reigns in the new heavens and new earth. If you die without faith, you still go to Hades and you wait judgment day. And then at judgment day, Jesus himself decides who stays with him in the new heavens and new earth, and who doesn't. He says, Mary, I have not ascended to my Father yet. I have not gone to heaven yet. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Notice that. That's a little throwaway line you can miss. My Father and your Father. Because he has now paid the penalty for Mary's sins, and she has faith in him. They're family now. Adopted so that God is our Father. Anyone who has faith in Jesus Christ is never an orphan. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. I love this, by the way. You guys, you guys have heard me enough. No, I love this part. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. He literally just pops into the middle of the room. And he says, what he says is nice, peace be with you. But you know, if somebody just pops into the middle of a locked room, those disciples needed a change of drawers. Now, a spoiler alert to where I'm going. One of the things that the resurrection teaches is we too will be resurrected and we too will receive a glorified body like Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Philippians. I've already said, I've I've told my wife, the reason I want to die before you is many. I love you. I don't want to see you pass. I don't want to be without you. But also, in the new heavens, the new earth, I want to be the first to just pop up behind you and go, peace be with you, and watch you scream. (laughs) Now, I have a sixth sense of humor. So, After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. 
he still has the scars. Why? Matt, you just said to glorify by yes, but Jesus decided to keep those. Why? One, those are not scars to Jesus. Those are marks of victory. On the cross, he took on Satan and death, and raised three days later, he won. Two, there was a general understanding in the first century, because people believed, people were not, there weren't a lot of atheists in the first century, but a lot of people believed in various gods. And some of the Greek mythology that spilled over into Roman culture was that the gods would visit earth They may make you a promise, they may give you a blessing, but then when they ascend back to heaven, they'd forget. When Jesus is showing with the spear wound in his side and the wounds here, he is saying to them, I will never forget. Have peace, I will never forget. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is not the full thing. It's a long thing. I'm not going to go down another nerd trail. Don't worry. We'll beat the Baptist to Bob Evans. Don't worry. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. What is he saying? He's saying, Keep this in mind. I did this for you, but understand... You are forgiven as you forgive. Now, that's important. It's important for a number of reasons, folks. If you're not a forgiving person, if you're not willing to let things go, and I'm not just talking about with your enemy, whoever that may be. I'm talking about your spouse, your kids, everyone. If you're not forgiving, God is going to say to you at some point, convict you and say, don't you know what I did for you? And you're not willing to forgive. The second reason you need to do that is just practical. When you hold on to anger and you hang on to a grudge, you are giving power to that person and that thing over you. You're not free. And it's toxic. It's just toxic. Forgive as you are forgiven. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, actually, it's the Greek word for hand runs here there, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He likes doing this, doesn't he? See, Jesus has a good time. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hand, reach out your hand, put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Now, this is the next big thing. You need to understand something. Jews in the first century did not believe a person could be God. They believed the Messiah that was coming would be a human figure who would rule like David and give them political independence. But now Thomas has seen this, and he says this, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed, that's a churchy word that just means be in divine favor. Be in divine favor. Those are in divine favor who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That's us. That's us. And that's why John is writing. John writes this book for this reason. See, 
Verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe. Actually, the Greek there is that you may come to believe or it may strengthen your belief. Either one. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. John is writing at a time when the eyewitnesses to Jesus are dying off. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke have been written, but he's saying, oh, there's more to write. That's why Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because they were written almost at the same time, one to a Jewish audience, one to a Greek audience, one as a kind of just evangelistic tool to a mainly Roman pagan audience. Then John comes along, he's addressing those who are seeking or those who are already there and are struggling with their faith. That's why John writes John. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I was an atheist for a long time, and I, I was not just that I didn't believe. I actively, like, tried to recruit. I mean, what other 16-year-old kid has a copy of Sigmund Freud's, you know, book on, on religion? I did. But I struggled with a few things. I struggled and eventually, in 1997, I had a health crisis where I was fortunately misdiagnosed with cancer, colon cancer. And I, I tell you, at the time, because I partied like it was 1999 until 1997, and I had lost an uncle who had been a colonel in the Air Force to colon cancer. And that, that uncle was, you know, like... He was a colonel in the Air Force, and he, he ran every day. He ate right. He didn't smoke. And I'm sitting there looking at myself, and this guy in Georgetown's telling me when I was living in Washington, D.C., that you got cancer. And I'm thinking, okay, killed my uncle who doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, eats right. I eat junk. I smoke like a stack. I drink like a fish. The only exercise I get is coughing. I'm dead. And someone had given me a little book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I read that book, which presents the evidence for the faith. And I got down on my knees and I prayed to a God I did not know. And on that day, I received eternal life through faith in him. Now, have there been dark nights of the soul? Of course there have been. I've had crises and personal relationships, gossip, nonsense, had another huge physical problem, several surgeries, but I never abandoned my faith. And not because I'm just so faithful and just so filled with the Holy Spirit and so sanctified. I never lost my faith because I cannot doubt the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If the tomb is empty, that changes everything. The evidence is there. Notice a few things. Now, in the first century, women had almost zero rights. In the Roman Empire, in Israel in the first century, if you were a woman in rank of importance were men, male children, 
your slaves or servants, because they had it. It wasn't ethnically based, but it was there. And then women down here. Women had no rights to property, typically, unless they were royalty somehow, unless they were related to Caesar or something like that. They had no right to property. And here's the other thing. They could not testify in court. Who does Jesus appear to first? A woman. Folks, if you were making this up, is that what you do? No. No. Because any, any Jewish person reading this would be like, well, so what? It's a woman. They, they can't testify. If you're making this up, that's not what you do. Uh-uh. As I said, the tomb would have been guarded and sealed. Something scared those soldiers away. And it's interesting to note that if you read ancient literature like Josephus and so forth, the ancient Jewish writers, they never had an explanation for it. Which is interesting. Number three, you have to ask yourself this. If this is true, this is true witness. If there was being faked, what did the disciples have to gain? You think about that meeting. I mean, contrary to popular opinion, Peter was not the leader of the early church. It was James, the brother of Jesus. But you can see that meeting. Jesus is crucified. Body disappears. What would that meeting look like? Hey, guys, huddle up. Huddle up, huddle up. Um, I got an idea. Let's just tell everybody he rose from the dead. Okay, James, uh, Peter says, uh, all right, are we going to get any money out of this? No, we're going to lose all our businesses. Because you know the Jewish leadership is going to come right after us. You mean they're going to, yeah, they're probably going to throw us in jail. That's what they do when you make these kind of claims. Do we get, like, women out of it? No, 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 no women. Fame? No, no, no fame. Power? No, no. No, there's the Lord and everybody else. This is how we're going to write this. Who would go, I'm in. Sign me up. Well, it's stupid. Doesn't make any sense. And history tells us that almost every single one of them, with John excluded, all the other disciples died horrible deaths, never denying that Jesus died and rose again. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. Some of them were boiled in oil alive, and they refused to deny what they had seen. And think about this. If they were making it up, as many atheists say they did, keep in mind, this is an honor and a shame culture. So in an honor and shame culture, if you look bad in public, you don't, it's not like today where comedians get up and make fun of themselves. Back then, that brought... Shame upon the family, you would be avoided, all this other kind of stuff. So do you really think Peter, with all the influence he had in the early church, is going to allow the gospel writers to say, okay, we're making this up. Okay, uh, by the way, Peter, he called you Satan. Peter's like, what? Why don't you take that out? We don't need the whole him calling me Satan thing. I'm going to die and rise again in three days. The disciples are like, oh, we just don't understand. They look dumb. In an honor and shame culture, you don't try to look dumb. Doesn't work. 
The one other objection you will hear, and, and forgive me, I'm, you know, for those of you who are new, uh, after I went to seminary, I went to law school, and I spent many years practicing law, and so I'm, I like to deal with objections and evidence, as I put on my Twitter handle. I'm a pastor and a lawyer, so I have a special place in eternity, no matter where I end up. But the other objection is this. Okay, well, maybe they believed it, but they imagined it. It was a delusion. Folks, groups don't have delusions. Individuals have delusions. I don't wake up in the morning, turn over to my wife and go, hey, what'd you think of that dream I had last night? Didn't that dream we had great? You don't do that. It's all individual. I remember reading about a Navy SEAL. And if you don't know what Navy SEAL training is like, it's brutal. And one of the things they do or used to do at least is you would have to lay on the beach, basically in your skivvies, all night as the waves are coming in and deal with the temperatures and, and just and no food and, and they usually haven't had they haven't had food for a while and they're just laying there on the on the sand, they're not allowed to move. And one Navy SEAL said that while he was laying there, he looked at the other SEAL next to him and said, Do you see that? And the SEAL says, What? There's a great white shark. And he's like, Great white shark? He's like, Yeah, it's dancing. Do you mean it's jumping up and down? No, like in Dirty Dancing, like Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing. It's, it's dancing on the waves. He was having a delusion because he was, you know, he hadn't had any food and he was exposure and that kind of stuff. No one else saw that. Why? Delus- Eleven guys don't have the same delusion. Folks, the evidence is there. And in the dark nights of the soul, the evidence was there for me. There were times I wanted to check out. Done. Done. Ministry? Done. Christianity? Done. I want out. But then I could not deny the evidence that the tomb is empty. The evidence is just too strong. The reason I believe everything Jesus said and try, try my best to live a life the way Jesus laid it out. Hey, look, you got advice for me? You want me to take life advice? Fine. Die, rise again in three days, predict it, not listen. You don't? Sorry. Because the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything, including how we are to live our lives, how we are to see our lives. That worldview that we have should change everything. Everything. Now, you can be asked the question. I'm getting messages on Facebook right now for people who are watching online. Hi, but I'm preaching. Um, The... Why was Jesus, why was it necessary for Jesus to die and rise again? Well, one, it is proof that he is who he claimed to be. That's one, that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, a member of the Holy Trinity, Lord and Savior, King. It is his victory over Satan and death. In 1 John, the same John writes, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And one of the works he came to destroy was sin and death itself. You come to faith in Jesus Christ, you get power from sin. It doesn't mean you won't sin, but the power is there because the Holy Spirit is within you. 
and that sin that you do, and we've all committed it. Every single one of us have committed it. We just have. There's never only been one person in history who lived a sinless life. That was Jesus Christ. And every sin, first and foremost, is a crime against your Creator. And any crime against your Creator carries the death penalty, eternal death. And you cannot rectify it. You cannot pay it back. Someone has to pay that penalty for you, and it had to be someone sinless. And that was Jesus Christ. But then in grace upon grace, not only are our sins forgiven, he rises again to tell us, death is not your end. You are now family, as he told Mary, and you will live eternally with me. It's a promise. The resurrection is not just a miracle, it's a promise. It's a promise to all of us who have faith in Jesus Christ that this is not the end. What we struggle with, what I struggle with every day is holding on to these little things in life, these little conveniences in life that we grow so attached to. I don't know what yours are. Mine are coffee and streaming services and a comfortable couch. I typically can't think of anything better than to sit and watch a ball game like I did last night. I can't think of anything better than hanging out with my son or my, or my wife and watching movies or doing whatever we do. But there's a reason why the Bible gives so little description of the next life. Here's why. Words can't describe what await us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Words cannot even caption it. C.S. Lewis said it best, when we make these struggles, we need to realize we're like a child playing in a mud pit and don't even realize the ocean is right over the hill. It's a struggle, I know. But it's there. I don't downplay it. I understand it. And I know people don't like to talk about death and mortality. I know that. It can sound kind of morbid. I heard, heard a preacher that I listened to tell this story. He said, heard about a businessman who was on a trip to Dallas, flies in the DFW. It's in the evening. He decides to order an Uber. So he orders an Uber on his app and and. Uber driver shows up, and he was thinking to himself, man, I don't want to eat hotel food. Maybe this Uber driver knows a good place to eat. And so he leans forward, and he taps the Uber driver on the shoulder to get his attention. The Uber driver hits the gas, jumps the curb, and almost slams into a building. And the guy's like, the passenger, the businessman's like, dude, I'm sorry. I did not mean to startle you. And the Uber driver said, no, 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 it's my fault. It's my fault. This is my first day doing Uber. You're my first passenger. I've driven a hearse for 25 years. <laughs> Nobody likes to talk about this stuff, man. I, I understand it. 
you know, we've, we've done everything we could getting out of this pandemic and getting back to it. We've got all these pamphlets that we keep outside for you to take and share with people. What is the gospel? Who is Jesus? Why trust the Bible? Can I be forgiven? That you can take and just share with people. We don't want you, you know, going throwing around pamphlets that people already have a church home where they teach the Bible and all that kind of stuff. We don't want that, but there are people out there who aren't saved. We want to grow this church again, and we want to do it the right way by bringing people to faith. And that means talking about these things that have to be discussed. And it happens. For those of you who are Ohio State fans, I'll throw you a bone here a second, but first of all, I need to remember, even Gary and I can agree on this, Shawnee State won the national championship men's basketball team. Congrats, Bears. Um, But there's a graduate, a female graduate of Ohio State, she did her Ph.D., in, liter- in literature there with a focus on feminist studies and gay and lesbian studies. And she identified as a lesbian and had a partner, and she was teaching at Syracuse University. And she had always not only not believed in Christ- the Christian faith, she thought the Christian faith was dangerous. But then she went through a crisis in her life, and she happened to run across some warm Christian people who shared stuff like this with her, and she began to investigate the Christian faith. Her name is Dr. Rosario Butterfield. She came to faith, married a pastor, and now does women's ministry all over the world. She's doing that now because of a few things. A crisis, the evidence, and warm loving Christian people. You can't do anything about the crisis. The evidence is there. The rest is up to you. If you believe that the tomb is empty. I do. Hey, I'm done. So, we will beat the Baptist at the restaurants, huh? How about that? Let's pray and get out of here. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all back together. I pray for this community, those around us that we are friends with and work with, who don't have faith in your Son. We pray that we will be the instruments to make that happen, and that when they, if they come to this church, they find warm, loving people. Loving people who forgive because they realize they have been made your adopted sons and daughters because Jesus Christ lived and died and rose for us. May we keep that front and center of our minds as we fight the desire to just hold on to the things of this life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, it's good to be back together, is it not? This is cool. Hey, if you're new here, be sure to drop by the visitor station. We got a gift for you back there. Dad, will, my father will be back there. He'll be preaching next week. Christ to be church. God bless you. God goes with you. Have a great Easter. Lord willing, see you next time. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. 
For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.